Welcome to the podcast of Maranatha Ministries. I'm Rick Frank, Senior Pastor of Maranatha, and I pray you'll be blessed by today's message. You can access all of our church information by going to our website at www.mmchurch.com or on all social media by searching at mmchurch. And now be blessed by listening to today's message. This morning, if you're able to stand, please do so and we turn to the Word of the Lord today. And uh, I am reading from Numbers chapter number 22. I'm going to continue on with our subject matter. We're talking about Balaam and um, the complexities of the story of Balaam. If you're visiting with us for your first time, we're so glad you're here today. We hope you feel the presence of God the way, the way I do. In Numbers chapter 22, beginning with verse 32, the angel of the Lord said to him, said to Balaam, why have you struck your donkey these three times? If you were here last week, you heard my, uh, you heard my uh, story building up to this point, how that um, Balaam's donkey was able to see the angel of the Lord standing in his way. Balaam could not see it, and every time the, the angel tried to avoid the donkey, or the donkey tried to avoid the angel, the uh, Balaam would beat him out of frustration. And so three times he struck his donkey, and so the angel of the Lord finally appeared to Balaam, and he saw the angel, and he said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Listen, I just got to throw this out. You need to treat your pets with respect, all right? I don't have a pet at the moment, but I've had dogs and I've had cats, and animals should not be abused. This is all free now. I'm just, this, I'm just throwing this out. It's not even part of my notes. Take care of your animals. When we had dogs and our, and our kids were little, Mama Frank, boy, if she saw anything that even hinted at disrespect towards an animal, she would train those kids to understand that those animals depend 100% upon us for their well-being, and we need to treat them with respect. And the question here that God had for Balaam was, what are you doing striking your donkey? Why'd you strike your donkey these three times? He said, behold, I've come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. That's what he said to Balaam. Your way, what you're doing is perverse in my sight. And then he said, and the donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times, and if she had not turned aside from me, surely I would have killed you by now and let her live. Pretty amazing, huh? If it weren't for that donkey, you'd be dead, she'd be living. How many times have women saved the day, huh? Here's a, here's a female donkey. How many times have, has a woman showed up to save the day? Boy, it's quiet in here today. Is it because it's rainy out? Are all the women afraid to say amen and the, men are, and, the, and the men are afraid to say anything? Read the Scriptures. How many times has a woman showed up to save the day? Amen. All the women said amen. amen. Praise God. All right, let's go to verse uh, 34. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know you stood in the way against me. The donkey knew. He didn't. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back 
Then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but only the word that I speak to you, that shall you speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. I want to talk part four of the complexities of Balaam. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your blessings, and we ask that by your Spirit, you will anoint these lips of clay and this tongue of flesh, because more than anything this morning, we desire to hear what the Spirit of the Lord would speak to the church. We pray in Jesus' name that you will have your way today, anointing me, Lord, to speak the things that you have put upon my heart. I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. He's worthy of more than we're able to give him. Last week, I want to just take a moment in today's sermon to expound upon something a little bit that I said last week. I mentioned this in last week's sermon. A couple of people have asked me about it, not questioning uh, that I said it, but uh, wanting further explanation of what I meant by it. Remember, if you were here last week, I, I, towards the end of my sermon, I had talked about the Ten Commandments, and, um, and I mentioned in those Ten Commandments that commandment number four was to honor uh, the Lord on the Sabbath day, to keep holy the Sabbath day. And I mentioned real quickly that the Holy Ghost is our Sabbath, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost is the Sabbath. Um, and uh, and people, a couple of people came to me and wanted uh, to, to understand that, what I meant by that. I'm going to take a, just a couple moments from this sermon today and expound upon that to help everyone have clarity and understand what's so awesome about the Holy Ghost, because the Holy Ghost is very misunderstood in our day by Christendom in general. It's a shame, too. It's just a, it's a shame uh, that so many do not understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God and the infilling of the Holy Spirit of God. In Isaiah chapter 28, um, Isaiah prophesied, and he said this, he said, with stammering lips and another tongue, stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people, to whom he said this, what? The stammering lips and another tongue, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing and yet they would not hear. So that's how we, partly of how we, it's a much deeper subject than what I'm going to talk about today just quickly, but I did want to point out that uh, that's where the, the uh, physical Sabbath day in the Old Testament became the period of rest for our spirits as we are filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, truth be told, it is impossible to keep a physical Sabbath and do no work. It's impossible. Uh, and Jesus brought this out on numerous occasions when he would heal people, and the, and the fr- Pharisees and the scribes would come to him and say, oh, you're working on the Sabbath. Can you imagine being so blinded that the healing of a blind man or a withered hand is frowned upon because he did it on a Sabbath day? And they would look at him with consternation and disgust because he worked on the Sabbath, and Jesus threw it right back at them, and he said, which of you who has an animal and falls into a pit on the Sabbath isn't going to, on the Sabbath, get him out of the pit? Uh, You can't… Come on now. You can't go a Sabbath day without doing some kind of work. So there was more to the Sabbath than just not physically working. It was a type and a shadow of something that was to come, as many, many things in the Old Testament are types and shadows of things that were to come. And what the Sabbath of the Old Testament is a type and shadow of is the spiritual rest we receive by being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And it's a shame that Christendom as a whole 
does not totally comprehend the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So let me just read to you real quick where it comes from. And um, if, if this is as far as we go today, so be it. Let's let God have His way. But I feel to expound upon a couple of these things because I think, I, think, I think people everywhere need to understand what being filled with the Holy Ghost is really all about. In Acts chapter number 2, the Bible said that when the day of Pentecost, that's where we get our, te- our name from, Pentecostals. This is where it comes from because of what happened on the day of Pentecost nearly 2,000 years ago. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. Boy, you wonder why we try to get people in the same mindset here. Let's worship the Lord together. Why? So that we can all focus on one thing and get ourselves in one mind and one accord. Because when we are in one mind and one accord, the supernatural can happen and does happen. And they had uh, fully, the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We still speak in tongues. Some people have tried to discredit tongues by saying, well, we don't see tongues of fire. And uh, real quickly, I'm just getting into this. Is it okay if I just… All right, so uh, the reason you don't see tongues of fire is the same reason you did not see the mountain shake with fires and and tremblings every time that the Old Testament uh, um, uh, commandments were read. When God first gave those commandments, Mount Sinai smoldered and fire and lightning and thunder was taking place. But from then, that only happened at the giving of the commandments. And so the tongues of fire came at the first giving of the Holy Ghost. But in the, in the rest of the Bible, you will see that whenever someone received the Holy Ghost, there were not tongues of fire because it came with the initial outpouring of the Spirit. All right, so everybody understands that? So the Bible said there appeared unto them to- cloven tongues as a fire and sat upon each, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And something very interesting happens here because verse 5 tells us that there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. What happened is Jews that lived all over the then-known world came back to Jerusalem for the feast day of Pentecost. And so that's why all these different Jews from all over the world were in Jerusalem at that time. They all came together, and the Bible says, and when this sound occurred, the multitude came together, and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. How many of you ever talked to somebody who, are, who is confused about the Holy Ghost? And the speaking in tongues is confusing and not understanding, and that's what happens. We, we, need, we need revelation. We need some expounding upon the Scriptures to understand exactly what's going on. These men were confused. They were all amazed, and they marveled, and they looked at one another, and they said, look, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Galileans spoke a particular language. Some say it was Aramaic, some say it was Greek, uh, whichever, but the Galileans themselves on top of that had a very distinct accent. And that's why the Apostle Peter was recognized as being a follower of Jesus, because he had that accent when he spoke. And, and they said, you, you talk like, like, like they do in Galilee. You must be one of them. And 
That's why. But they were amazed because all of these that were speaking were Galileans, and they said, how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? And then it lists all these cities or, or nations, the Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, Cyrene, Rome, Jews and proselytes, Christian and Arabs. We all hear them speaking in our own language the wonderful works of God. Galileans don't know all these languages, so they were speaking words they didn't understand. Verse 12 says that they were all amazed and they were perplexed, and they said to another, whatever could this mean? Now, it's important to understand the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, to understand what questions are being asked when. What does this mean? What is the this that they're asking about? Speaking in tongues, right? What does these people speaking in these foreign languages mean? What does that mean? And others mocking said, ah, they're full of new wine, or they accuse them of being drunk. And if you've been around me long enough, you've heard me say this before. I have been drunk. Not many years since the Lord delivered me, I was an alcoholic. I drank, I was the everyday alcoholic. I drank every day. I know what it's like to be drunk. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of those of you who know what it's like to be drunk. But I will say this, that as drunk as I have been in my days before Christ, I never spoke in a different language. I have been drunk enough to not be able to speak my own language, but never to speak in a new language. This was just a feeble attempt to explain the supernatural. Folks, listen to me. When you try to reason and explain with human understanding the supernatural, you will enter into error. We need to trust God and accept His Word for what it says. Amen. So Peter, the Bible said, Peter heard this, drunk, drunk, filled with new wine. Oh, hold on a minute, he said. He stood up with the other 11. All 12 apostles stood together, and he raised his voice, because he didn't have uh, PA systems the way I'm using. He raised his voice, and he said, men of Judea and all you who dwell at Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose since it is only the third hour of the day. That means it was nine o'clock in the morning. And there are some drunks that say, what's that got to do with it? But most people are not drunk at nine o'clock in the morning. He said, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. He said, but this, what? Speaking in tongues. That's what the question was. What's this? What did we hear here? This speaking in tongues is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and he quotes Joel, it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. So you are hearing people speaking in tongues. You're asking, what does that mean? And I'm telling you, this is the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy that the Holy Ghost is going to be outpoured, and you're seeing it right now. That's a good thing. I'm going to explain to you why so many people are afraid of tongues in a moment. But that's a good thing. This is the prophecy that we've been waiting for for hundreds of years, and you're telling me this is it? This, it's here finally? And so Peter, uh, Peter goes on, on, on preaching, 
and uh, you can read the whole second chapter of Acts yourself. Peter goes through preaching, and uh, listen, he was a powerful preacher. I'm not sure he was as kind as our modern-day preachers, because he gets down to verse 36 in the Bible, and after preaching all about Jesus and all about the historical events and all about the proof that this Jesus was the Messiah, he gets down to verse 36, and he says this, "'Therefore, let all of Israel know assuredly that God has made this same Jesus both Lord and Christ.'" Almost. He threw something in the middle there, because this is, the, this is the kind of fiery preacher Peter was. He said, just so you know, God has taken that same Jesus, and he couldn't let well enough alone, read it for yourself. He said, who you crucified, <laughs> both Lord and Christ. Just so you know, the one who God made both Lord and Christ, you crucified him. How many of you know that we have all crucified Him afresh and anew in our sinful lifestyles, in our rejection of the ways of God, wanting to do our own thing, live our own lives, do what we want to do, crucify Him afresh and anew? This same Jesus who you crucified, God made Him both Lord and Christ. And listen to what happened. This is what happened. When they heard that, Instead of being angry like some of times we get, instead of feeling hopeless, they looked back at Peter and they said, what should we do? If he is Lord in Christ and we've crucified him, what should we do? That should be every one of ours question. If he is Lord in Christ and I have lived in sin, what, what can I do? What should I do? Peter said in a verse of Scripture that many of us have memorized, he said, repent. You know what repentance is, don't you? I've been talking a lot about repentance, throwing it in here and there. Repentance, Jesus personified repentance in Gethsemane. He personified it there when he said, if there's any way possible, let this cup pass from me. But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's true repentance. I know all about you did something wrong. You need to apologize for that. You need to repent for that. But true repentance is when you can come to the place and say, I have a lot of desires. There's ways I want to do things. There's lifestyles I want to live. But nevertheless, not my will. Thine be done. That's true repentance. We all need to reach that place. Can you say amen? Peter said, if you repent... And then you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And people don't understand that. The original intent of repenting and being baptized was so that we can get the Holy Ghost. That was the goal. It should be all of ours goal is to be filled with God's Spirit and so I just want to say, if you do repent, we just baptized people last week. If you repent and you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, the promise is you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, the gift of the Holy Ghost comes with this, with this, uh, with this speaking in tongues. 
The gift of the Holy Ghost comes with speaking in tongues, and speaking in tongues is very misunderstood, and it is, it, it's, it's, a, it's abused in some areas. It's misunderstood in many areas, and it's misused. It's misused. Speaking in tongues has been abused, it's been misused, it's been misunderstood. As a result of all of these things, it's been preached against. I, I, know, of, I know of preachers that actually preach against speaking in tongues, like it's some bad thing. Listen, anything, remember, remember I told you this, anything divine put into the hands of mankind is now subject to abuse and misuse. It's the way it is because we're people. Doesn't mean the thing is wrong. Remember that. Doesn't mean the thing is wrong just because it got abused. Listen, hey, we've abu- we, we still believe in coming to church, right? We're all here. We still believe in giving in an offering, right? We all did it. There's nothing more abused than, than, than money. And the prosperity message of people preaching that you come up and give $10, God will give you 100 that's an abuse of giving. But we still do it. I'm going to tell you why. I, I, I just felt, I, I felt this morning as I was putting my notes together, I just felt like God was prodding me to go over some of these things and explain some of these things so that we can, we can understand these things. Many people are afraid of the Holy Ghost outpouring and the speaking of, in, in other tongues. They're afraid of that. And I'm going to tell you why we're afraid of it. We are afraid of it because it is completely supernatural. Amen. Completely. We, li- we like to control things. You know, I'll worship God because I can control this. I can control how much effort I've been into clapping. I can say hallelujah. I can come to church. I can go home when I'm ready. I can, uh, I can put money in the offering plate, and I can decide how much we can control all that stuff. When it comes to speaking in tongues, man, it is out of your control. You can't turn it on. You can't turn it off. Amen? Uh, let me expound. I don't, mean, I don't mean if you speak in tongues, you can't stop. I don't mean that at all. But you can't, listen, you can fake healings, and they do. Televangelists have faked healings for years. And they get poor innocent people watching TV to send great gangs of money to them because they got fake healings. You can bring someone up in a wheelchair and, and uh, have him stand up and walk. His leg worked the whole time, but you didn't know it. Huh? His, his, arm, his arm's fine. He's just got it in a sling. All of a sudden you pray for him. Hey, look at that. All right? You can fake a healing. Let me tell you something you can't fake. You can't fake speaking a language you don't understand. <laughs> You can't fake that. Uh, you can take someone's tongue and you can manipulate it. You can put it right in the same position that it's used to say these words, but those words aren't coming out. When you are speaking a language that you don't understand, let me say it this way. Cliff is sitting here. I can grab, grab Cliff's arm, and he's not doing this. I'm doing it. I just raise his arm up. You're not, you don't have shoulder problems. Am I causing oh, great babe. pain right now? Oh, you know, I, it'd just be my, my luck that I grab a guy with that does have a broken arm, and I'm, let's just hope God uses my stupidity and heals it while I'm doing all this. See, Cliff didn't do that. I did that. I raised his arm up, huh? I'm putting it down now. I grab his other arm, put that up. See, I, I, I can do that too. Guess what I can't do? I can't get Cliff to say something he doesn't know how to say. I can't. I can take his tongue, I can say, okay, put that right up there to lift your mouth, right up against the back of your teeth. The words aren't going to come out. You only speak what's coming from inside you. 
That's why God chose tongues to, to be the, to, to be the uh, evidence of receiving the Holy Spirit because you cannot speak a language you don't understand unless there's somebody living inside of you that does understand it. Amen. And that's what becomes scary to people. Somebody's living inside of me. It's Jesus. Don't be afraid of him. Nobody loves you like Jesus loves you. Don't be afraid of him. The devil has tried to make the Holy Ghost out to be some kind of do 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 do. Weird, demonic, weird, supernatural. In case you haven't figured out, God is supernatural. (laughs) He is a spirit, but he is a holy spirit. He is a good spirit. He'll make your life better, never worse. You don't need to be afraid of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I believe that dead, and that's the reason we fear it, because we can't control it. We can't give it to people. And I've seen people beg for the Holy Ghost. You don't get the Holy Ghost by begging. Oh, God, please give me the Holy Ghost. He wants to give you the Holy Ghost. All you need to have is a repented heart. If you haven't been baptized, you can get the Holy Ghost before you're baptized, but you need to get baptized in Jesus' name. He will fill you with His Spirit. You will begin to speak a language you don't understand. And when you're speaking a language you don't understand, where's that coming from? Must be somebody else inside me, and that is Jesus. Jesus. It's Jesus. And un- unfortunately, we live, in a, we live at a time when, because we can't control it, we can't explain it, um, we end up fearing it. Don't be afraid of the Holy Ghost. Don't be afraid of it. I want to read one more verse of Scripture because this is what touches my heart more than anything. If I go no further than this today, that's okay. I've used up a lot of my preaching time already. But in Jeremiah chapter 31, the prophet spoke and he said this, This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days says the Lord. So there's a time coming when there's going to be a new covenant. There are many scriptures that talk about that. Scriptures that talk about taking out our stony hearts and giving us a heart of flesh. Scriptures that talk about writing His laws in our hearts. Listen to what Jeremiah said. He said, this covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, I'm going to put my law in their minds. I'm going to put my law in their minds. How many have ever felt conviction? Have you ever felt the Holy Ghost convict you of something you're doing? And you know what that is? That's because He put His law in your mind. And when you do something that contradicts the law that's in your mind, you don't need someone telling you, yeah, did this, you can't do that. You, you got Him living inside of you. You don't even know, you don't even have to memorize the Ten Commandments. His Spirit will just convict you of it. I've been convicted of things I didn't know were wrong. But when I felt that conviction, I took note. He said, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. 
I will write it on their hearts. Now listen carefully to this. He said, I will be their God, and they will be my people. But he's not done. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. In other words, no more do you need to have one man tell you this and tell you that and act like this and don't do that. No more do you need somebody to lead you around and guide you around. He said this. He said, for they shall know me. They shall know me. And listen to what he said. And this is what touches my heart because I know where I fit on this spectrum. He said, they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord. And I am so glad today that he said the least of them will know me personally because I was the least of them. And now I know him personally. He talks to me. He speaks to me. He moves upon me. I rolled out of bed this morning and got on my knees and he met with me. I spoke in tongues this morning. I didn't know what I was saying, but my spirit was being edified just this morning. I've got the Holy Ghost. He's with me wherever I go. Whenever I need him. He's the mention of his name away, no matter what you think of yourself. Oh, the devil has spent so much time trying to beat you down, trying to make you feel worthless. You're no good. You're not this. You'll never accomplish this. You'll never amount to this. Jesus said, if you think you're the least of them, come unto me. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. How many of you need Jesus? What do I got? Do I got time to start my sermon? Let me at least get us started. So because the titles, the complexities of Balaam, let me at least mention Balaam. But if you don't have the Holy Ghost, my friend, don't you listen to the modern idea that this speaking in tongues is weird stuff. It is not weird stuff. It is biblical stuff. It is what Jesus died to give us. And the devil has spent 2,000 years trying to take it away. And he's almost succeeded, but thank God there are still Pentecostals preaching it. Amen? Amen. Verse 22, verse 32, I'm sorry, of Numbers 22. The angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I've come to stand against you because your way is perverse. Everyone say perverse. How many of you, like me, would not be surprised should the Spirit of God suddenly begin to speak to us and hear him say, your ways are perverse before me. Hmm? Your ways are perverse before me. We want to live our own lives. We want to do our own things, but we don't always consider what we're doing, how that appears 
in the presence of a holy God. That's a hard burden to bear, isn't it? That's why we need the Holy Ghost. He gives us strength. I couldn't quit drinking. I couldn't quit. I tried quitting smoking so many times. I couldn't do it. But when the Holy Ghost convicted me for smoking, he said, not only am I going to tell you that that's wrong, I don't want you to do it, I'm going to give you the strength to not do it anymore. Let me tell you something about Jesus. Maybe I'll end right here. Maybe this is as far as we'll go today. Let me tell you something about Jesus. He will never bring you to the place of change that His grace can't take you through. What do I mean by that? He will never ask you to start doing something or stop doing something without giving you the grace to accomplish it. I tried to stop smoking on my own. I did not have the strength. I thought about stopping drugs, never even gave it a shot. I thought about it, but never did it. I thought about not drinking anymore, but never could. But when Jesus filled me with His Spirit, and I remember the day I was drinking my last beer, my la- it was the last drop of alcohol that has touched my lips. I would go to work. I would go at home at lunchtime, not home at lunchtime, down to the bar at lunchtime. I would order two, ham- two cheeseburgers and two draft beers. That was my lunch every day. <laughs> what a life. Every day, drink two, two draft beers and, a, and a, um, uh, two cheeseburgers and then pick up a six-pack sneak into my job with the six-pack. I worked at a soda, bo- soda bottling plant, and I would fill ginger ale cans with beer. And I would sit there from noontime till I left at 5.30, drinking what everybody thought was ginger ale. And I had filled it with beer because I, I, I started at noontime, and I drank right up till I went to bed every day. And I went down to the bar after having been filled with the Holy Ghost, and I ordered my two cheeseburgers, And I ordered my first draft beer, and I started eating my cheeseburgers and drank the draft beer. And I bit into the second cheeseburger and picked up the second draft beer. And I was about halfway through the second one when suddenly it hit me that I wasn't enjoying it like I always did before. And I stopped and thought, and I said, as God is my witness, I said to myself, You're forcing yourself to do this out of habit. And I put that half-drunken, drank, however you say the word, down, that half-filled drink, draft beer down on the counter and said, you are forcing yourself to finish this out of habit. You don't even like this anymore. And I put it down and I walked out and that last half of a mug of beer might still be sitting there. I don't know. It's not. But I left it there. And as God is my witness, I walked out of that bar and have never touched a drop of alcohol since that moment. Since that moment. It was not because 
the Holy Ghost stood up or some preacher stood up and said, drinking and getting drunk is sin and you ought to be ashamed of yourself if you're a drinker. Nobody preached that to me. Nobody said that to me. I didn't hear a sermon on drinking, but I had the Holy Ghost. And from the greatest to the least, they will know my laws. They will know my mindset. They'll know my feelings about things. And suddenly, while I'm sitting there in a bar room... Filled with the Holy Ghost, drinking my beer, that something inside of me started saying, you don't need this stuff. This isn't how we live in heaven. This isn't how my children live. And I put it down because the, the, the voice that led me to a place gave me the grace to do what he was asking me to do. You wonder why I preach the Holy Ghost? You wonder why I tell people all the time, take it to Jesus? I got a feeling people within the sound of my voice right now are thinking about things that they've struggled with, they have a hard time with. Some people might even already have the Holy Ghost and they've not been able to conquer things and they're feeling convicted in their heart about things and not sure the Lord wants them to do this or live like this. I'm going to promise you something, my friend. Bring it to Jesus. Don't, don't shut it down. Don't close your mind off to it because you're ashamed of it. Don't, don't not talk about it because you're embarrassed by it. Take it to Jesus. You don't have to bring it to anybody else. You don't have to bring it to me. You don't have to bring it to your husband, to your wife, to your children, to your parents. You don't have to take it to other people. Sometimes that's a good thing to do. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes we need each other. But the first person you need to bring it to when you feel that little conviction thing going on, that little thing that says, like, like he said to me when I was cursing one day, we don't talk like that in heaven. When you feel that little thing that says, this isn't how my children live, this isn't how we act, don't you, don't you run and say, oh, no, I'm not going to church anymore because I'll never be able to quit this. Take it to the one who, if he brought you to it, he will always give you the grace to see you through it. Always. And I have spent many, many prayer meetings. Let's stand together. I'm going to close with this. I've spent many, many prayer meetings, and I've said many times in prayer this statement that is so true, so true. You need to remember this. I felt God just not too long ago, just a couple of weeks back, I felt God in a very special way in a a prayer session that I was having. And I felt him remind me again, all fresh and new, when he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. I need that kind of a Savior. And so do you. I need that kind of Savior. Balaam, your actions are perverse before me. But you know what? If it weren't for your donkey, I'd have killed you by now because of your perverse ways. Your donkey saved you. But wait a second. Why did the donkey save him? Because God allowed the donkey 
to see the angel. He could have hidden that from the donkey. He was there to be seen. It was not his will to kill Balaam. It was not his will to smite him. It was his will to draw him close to him. And it is his will to draw you close to him. He'll always make a way. If it weren't for your donkey, I would have slain you by now. But I put something in your life to keep you till the moment you came to the place where you yourself could see me. Huh? Where you yourself could see me. Somebody show me Jesus. This altar is open. Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Ministries podcast. If this message touched you, please make sure to subscribe for more sermons from Pastor Frank and the ministry team here at Maranatha, as well as follow us on our social media platforms. We are located in Schenectady, New York, and if you are in the area, we invite you to join us during our weekly Sunday service starting at 1030 a.m. We look forward to you joining us again next week for another anointed message. Thank you and God bless.